Hey there, we're the Westlaw Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoskowspil. Well guys, we are back uh, for the third time this week. Um, you know, we preview the Northwestern offense, we preview the Northwestern defense. Um, it's just a couple days from getting this thing started, you know, lighting the fires. And, uh, you know, we, we got we got a game to preview. Uh, Northwestern, Nebraska, Dublin, Ireland. Um, yeah, we got these, these it, two depth charts to dive deep into. And... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nope. so, you know, we're, we're – Go, we're doing the cloak and dagger thing uh, again this year. Um, I I would have like I'd expect it from the quarterback situation, but like not to even have a you know we're recording this on Wednesday night and there's still no depth chart. Um, do, you, okay. do, you, do you feel like do you feel like Fitz and Frost are sitting across you know an Irish pub from each other, locking eyes, squinting, staring, see who will break first and release their depth chart. Probably, yeah. yeah. It's just that mid '90s angst coming back from just from both mid '90s stars. But yeah, but but you raise a great indirect point, which is everything that is going on in Dublin this week, which, as far as we can tell, looks fantastic. Yeah, we we've, we've definitely seen um, a lot of pictures from a lot of you who are out there already. I, keep I know them coming. Keep them coming. Absolutely yeah. love seeing that. You know, love hearing about everyone who's you know on the plane right now. Uh, heading out there and uh, can't wait to hear more stories. Um, you know, Dublin is a wonderful, wonderful town. I've had a chance to visit there once. Uh, I had just a blast. Um, and it's, I, it, it's really cool. And I, you know, keep, keep us, keep it coming, you know, keep that, uh, keep those pictures, keep those tweets, um, keep them flowing. We want to hear you. I can't emphasize enough people. Guinness is good for you. Guinness for strength. Like, <laughs> Do it up. Take advantage. Yeah, you will not find fresher Guinness anywhere in the world because it's made right there. Well, maybe, maybe, well, sure, yes. We're about to go other... down some some drinking rabbit hole where I'm just like, okay. Well, they have like three three breweries in, in Africa. Like, I think, Yeah, no, that's right. I, that's I right. feel like they have pretty fresh Guinness there, too. No, fair, um, but you know, the the homeland, Saint James Gate, is right 90, ninety nine thousand years or whatever it is that they have the least for. Yes. Yeah. Oh. But we should talk about Nebraska. I, I guess. I mean, we. It seems like we we've said a lot. Um, you know, we you know go back going back to our preview earlier on this summer. Um, you know, again without without seeing a depth chart without really getting any news coming from the team it's hard to like really dive in uh, the one the one piece of news we do have is you know Nebraska is starting Casey Thompson as at quarterback and you know, this is not a surprise um you know he transferred from Texas to be Nebraska's starter and he's Nebraska's starter so um, I, I would I would argue of what we have one additional piece of news okay hit me that is that Nebraska offensive linemen are puking at practice at a very alarming rate. Sure. Yeah. yeah. No, that, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, that got that note. Yeah. I have no idea what to make of that other than that. I don't know. Scott Frost is trying to present the appearance of change. And that's been his theme throughout the entire, from not giving a statement at media days to everything. By being a Neanderthal. I, 
Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That doesn't you, seem like you. You ask this. T- you present that tongue in cheek and say, "Yes, that's exactly what he's doing." Um, <laughs> I mean, they're, in they're... Scott Frost's mind, this all makes sense, Gus. Plus, uh, I mean, don't, don't forget they're under like punishment for, you know, not kosher practicing. Yeah. Like, from from last year, they had you know practices where coaches were there. It was not according to the book, and now they got in trouble for that. Right. I encourage everyone to go read the the recent Irish Times article on, on yes. Nebraska, which describes Nebraska as like a, a program with a rich f- football history and a rich history of making the wrong choices. Yeah. Um, so one thing that I, I wanted to bring up, and, and the, the Casey Thompson piece, obviously, you know, legit is huge, as is the Mark Whipple piece. And Scuzz went over all that stuff. But I think now that it's game week, I think we really want to kind of get into some of that stuff and one of the one of the perspectives and one of the ways to kind of get at it is is to juxtapose. So, if you rewind to our game week preview ahead of the Nebraska game last year, we were all putting on a brave face. But I mean, if you were to go back and listen to that, and you should not do that, I don't recommend <laughs> that at all. Um, but if but if you were, you would hear a tone that was practically funereal. And that's because we all had a really good idea of exactly what was going to happen in that game. Because we'd watched what happened in the Duke game. And we'd seen not just that we were kind of eviscerated on the ground in the Duke game, but how. And I think we were... So we knew Nebraska was going to hit us in exactly that way. And then that's exactly what happened, right? 427 rush yards. It it played out in the total nightmare scenario. And then juxtapose that with this year, and honestly, like, I don't think any of us really have that feeling. And I think one of the really important things to understand, and again, it's like we're not sunshine and rainbows. We don't have this miracle for you that's like, this is how we're going to beat Nebraska. But it's not the same team as it was last year. Remotely, everything Nebraska is going to be doing is different this year. And... Those 427 yards that they rushed for last year, Mark Whipple doesn't care about a single one of those yards. That is not what he's about. That is not his approach. He's working with a totally different group of personnel than we're presenting that approach last year. And, you know, like we can get into it, but I think ultimately we see a foothold here that we did not see last year. I mean, just to just to put a point on it, Nebraska rushed fifty three times, and they threw the ball twenty one times. Um, Mark Whipple's former boss, the head coach at Pitt, Pat Narduzzi, recently commented to, to the media that Pitt had an offensive coordinator last year that had no desire to run the ball, and you look at the Mark Whipple offenses of the past however many years and i know you dug into it john and this is like this is born out in the stats and had narduzzi's telling the truth <laughs> like I, I i like i will this is wishful thinking on my part because um a number of years ago nebraska hired bill callahan out of the nfl to quote unquote modernize their offense and he completely decimated like the one advantage nebraska had and that was that they ran this you know incredible 
um, triple option. They did it better than anyone. And any player in the country who was good at running that scheme wanted to come to Nebraska and run it. And Bill Callahan changed that. And Nebraska has never been the same. This is the story of the decline of Nebraska Cornhusker football. And here you have, again, I mean, like with Bo Pelini, with Scott Frost, like they've started to claw back some of that, you know, uh, run first mentality. Um, And here you have a guy that abhors running the ball and he's got a new toy in Casey Thompson, this, this transfer from Texas who had some moments and some flashes through for a lot of yards against some teams with really bad defenses last year Uh, has a really nice looking deep ball. He's got a bunch of wide receivers that have transferred in Um, Omar Manning's the only returning guy on, on Nebraska's team with, with a lot of production. Uh, You know, this is, this is going to be a really interesting and volatile mix in game one. It could all click and they could go gangbusters and it could also be like a train wreck. Absolutely. And again, that's the thing where it's like as Northwestern fans, if you know, I feel like we presented you with two hours and 15 minutes of offensive and defensive preview content this, this week. Uh, I, I would say it wasn't the happiest two hours and 15 minutes you'll ever listen to. I think we tried to strike real realistic tones and and focus on finding a path. I think you can take a slightly more optimistic tone here that you can draw a line between kind of overall projections for this season, especially relative to our defense and projections for this game. And the easiest way is again, like scuzz ain't under like scuzz ain't overselling it here. You can take a lot of those 427 yards that we gave up on the ground last year and just throw them out. Um, I had like the Pat Narduzzi quote is so funny because it's so, but like, here's another one. Here's a random name for you that probably has never been uttered on a podcast until today. Steve Baylark. Steve Baylark was UMass's primary running back in 2003 that's the last time Mark Whipple coached a 1,000-yard running back. 2003 at UMass. That's, from there, you can go his years at Miami, all of his years at UMass when he went back, all of his years at Pitt. No 1,000-yard rushers. 2010 Miami is the only year where the his team's rushing yards got within 50 yards of his team's passing yards. Okay. Uh, a lot of years, they were doubled up. He, they were, you know, Mark Whipple teams throwing for twice as many yards as they're rushing for. Um, and just to give, like, as a point of reference, Casey Thompson, who we'll get to in a second, like last year, he played on a Texas team that was almost completely balanced. They practically ran as much as they passed. And now he's going into this team that just wants to throw. The other piece of it, and, you know, listening to, I think Fitz has given lip service to this this week and talking about, well, one of the things that's hard for us to prepare is, okay, so like this Nebraska system that gashed us on the ground last year, how is it going to be mixing with the Mark Whipple, uh, with this Mark Whipple offense that's coming in? Okay, let's stop and think about this for a second. You have the coach, the head coach, who has been running the existing system and isn't guaranteed that he's going to make it out of the month of September as the head coach if things don't go the way he needs them to go. And then the savior offensive coordinator who's come in to run a completely different system than the one that they've been running, overhaul everything and throw the crap out of the ball, which is clearly his MO. 
Who do you think system they're going to go with here? Who do you think has the leverage in this situation? Mark Whipple didn't have to take this job. Uh, he was coming in. He's got carte blanche. And then the other thing, too, is I know a lot of you are saying, yeah, but like Nebraska smoked us on the ground last year. This is the number four team in, in the conference in running the ball. They're not going to throw that all out. If you take what Nebraska averaged in every other game other than Northwestern on the ground and say we had given up that amount of yards instead of the 427 we had given up, Nebraska's the eighth best team in the conference running the ball. There was us and there was everybody else. And the leading rusher on that team was Adrian Martinez, who's not there anymore. Mark Whipple didn't care about any of the run yards last year. He's coming in to throw the ball all over the yard with Casey Thompson. He's looking at Oklahoma three weeks from when he plays Northwestern, or I guess a month, and thinking, I want our offense getting to the place I want it to be by the time we play Oklahoma. He's coming out to throw all over the yard. And again... For a team, Northwestern, where our pass D was way better than our run D last year, this should come as good news to us. Well, the other thing, the the thing that is, um, I guess the caution I will I will say here now, like John, John and I have painted a picture here of a Nebraska team that, you know, feeling themselves a bit here during fall camp. They're 13-point favorites um, traveling across the pond to Ireland in kind of like a weird setting. Uh, Frost lit the internet on fire the other day when he when he said in, in response to, to being asked about that 13-point, um, those 13 points, he, he said, well, we've earned the right to be confident uh, despite being a three and nine team last year. And, you know, like, well, no, just... the, Scuzz, we were a three and nine team last year. They were the greatest three and nine team ever, ever fair ever. Um, so like, it's like this, this is just a ripe situation for a team like Nebraska. that has got a bunch of, of parts they've inherited from other teams. I mean, this is like for you F1 fans out there, this is like Haas showing up with a bunch of parts that they got on the secondary market. And feeling themselves like they're gonna they're gonna do awesome. They are ripe to be punched in the mouth and struggle. Whether we are capable of delivering the punch that can unsettle them is a question that we will not know the answer to until probably midway through the first quarter on Saturday. <laughs> right. But but, the, yeah. but the, like to John's point earlier, a year ago when we played Nebraska, it looked like, oh God, we have no we we probably have no chance in this game and this time around it's 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 a different equation right and i think we'll get to our offense versus nebraska's defense in a little bit i think we i think again one of the things that, and when we talked about the the northwestern defensive preview one thing that we kind of didn't really get into is for all of you who would look and say okay the defensive line you know, with all the problems, 14th ranked run defense in the conference, with all the problems in the front seven, you can heap just as much of it on the defensive line as you can on the second, uh, you know, on the second level. I would say that's true, but you're thinking of certain games when you're thinking of that. Because, like, Wisconsin plowed us on the ground up the middle. Minnesota plowed us on the ground up the middle. Um, and Michigan plowed us on the ground up the middle. 
But then there were all these other teams, including Duke and Nebraska, that just went around our defensive line. They Michigan, right Michigan State, the, too, right? Michigan State, too, with Kenneth Walker. Just went right around the offensive line, went, went to the boundary, went to the boundary hard. And we're like, counting on our wide receivers to block. We think we can outrun your outside linebackers to get to where we want to do. And they absolutely could. And then Nebraska, you folded in the, pat, the fact that on top of the ability to do that, and the and the inclination to do that they also have a really fast quarterback who just they run read option with and even in you know he was a guy who'd been all over us in the past and in this game he was effectively used as a decoy but our defensive ends were just kind of worked by that option motion and it just exacerbated problems around the end again listen to the sounds of all those things evaporating right now Okay, like that's that's not Mark Whipple and Mark Whipple doesn't care about what happened. Again, Mark Whipple is looking at Northwestern like this team doesn't get sacks and I love to throw the ball. That's what he's thinking. So it's like you you have that. And then, you know, Scuzz, you outlined it. And, you know, I kind of want to hear you revisit it because the Casey Thompson piece is the whole other piece of this. And it's like they're. There's kind of like the look you get at, you know, your opinion of Casey Thompson when you look at his stats for like 30 seconds and then the opinion when you look at his stats for five minutes or 10 minutes, etc. It's just there's a lot to chew on when you get into this. Yeah. So, I mean, Thompson had good stats last year for Texas and it was it was very clear. I don't know, probably by game five or six of the year that he he was the better quarterback uh, compared to Hudson Card. So Card started the first three games of the season, or the first two games of the season, sorry, against Louisiana and Arkansas, and then Thompson took over against Rice. He was electric against Rice and Texas Tech. Really, really good. Smoked those two teams, threw for seven TDs, two picks. Um, Rice, uh, Rice and Texas Tech known for their outstanding defenses. Yeah, yeah. Averaged about 80 yards or 80% completion in those two games. Um then in game five, they played TCU, and he struggled big time. Uh, 55% completion, a TD, a pick, did enough to win. They won the game. Uh, the following week, again, struggled with completion percentage against Oklahoma, racked up a ton of yards and TDs. This is probably the best performance uh, on, on paper for him. Got sacked what looks like five times uh, for minus 24 yards, so that was rough. Then proceeded to be pretty rough against Oklahoma State, Got sat for the. Um, oh, I'm sorry. He played played against Baylor. It looked all right against Baylor, which is again a, another nice notch uh, that was on the road. Was sat down for the Iowa State game. May, may have been injured there. Came back and um, obliterated Kansas, one of the worst defenses in all of college football. Still lost the game um, before finishing with. Uh, you know, he didn't play a ton against West Virginia and then beat uh, Kansas State to, to end the year. So, like when you break it down against horrible defenses in rice texas tech um oklahoma to be honest bad secondary at oklahoma Uh, and kansas is where he racked up his yards and in in other situations he was more pedestrian i will also note that he had a dynamic running back and running game in Bijan robinson uh, roshan johnson Uh, these guys were averaging almost six yards per carry um they established a very very strong uh running attack off of which Casey Thompson was able to play action. He does throw a very nice deep ball. D- doesn't work as well when you are, when you don't have a running ball or you're or, or a running tech or you're not establishing the run. I mean, Pitt 
last year with the greatest quarterback that they've had since, um, what, probably Marino? I don't know. Uh, averaged 140 yards rushing per game. They were in the 120s the two years prior. And their offense was predicated on Kenny Pickett running around and making things happen because he was really good at extending plays. He was really good at throwing on the run. That is not Casey Thompson's game. His game is play action and and bomb. And like th- there was one point during camp this year, there was some some kerfuffle around like Whipple coming out and saying like the the offense is a mess and Thompson coming out and saying, Oh yeah, we're we're getting on the same page. Now those things might have been from different days, and so it was a little a little disingenuous. I, I to believe me. it was the same day. Yeah, like there was some there was some question as to how like like th- th- that those comments were maybe taken a little bit out of context. Sure, but I just sure. I th- there's enough red flags here on paper to again look at everything surrounding this program, the pressure that they're under, the pressure that Frost is under. We talked in the preseason in our in our summer preview that like the best mo for Frost this year is to just get out of the way. But what does that say about his like role as the head coach? So, like, again, ripe to be punched in the mouth. Um, I think, to John's point, the matchup with our defense and the fact that our secondary is the, is the strength of our D, you know, gives you reason to believe that that we can run with this team in a way that we couldn't last year. And, you know, we're just going to have to see. But, but like, there's I, reason to have a little bit of optimism here. I think there is. I think you may see times where, I mean, you may see Northwestern playing a nickel for a bunch of this game, especially with Jeremiah Lewis available um, and even a Garnett Hollis. Like you may see us put five DBs. Remember, this is the strength of our defense. We have defense that may that may have glaring weaknesses when we get to a Minnesota, a Wisconsin. But if it's a team that just wants to throw all day and as point of reference. So, you know, you were talking about Casey Thompson's numbers. I mean, he, he threw 16 he had 24 TDs. 16 of those were against three teams. To give you a be- an idea of how bad the pass uh, defense basement in the Big 12 was last year, the three teams he threw those 16 TDs against would have given up the... Th- they would be the three worst teams in pass TDs given up if he threw none of those 16 TDs. That's how bad the bad pass defenses were. And again, a lot of you knee-jerk reaction. And this is where I think what Scuzz just said is so important. To be like, well, Northwestern's pass D was bad. No, it was not. You remember the deep balls over the head. But just know, in both pass D and pass efficiency D, Northwestern would have been the fifth best pass defense in the Big 12. And if you look at what Casey Thompson's performance was when he played the fifth or thereabouts best defenses in the Big 12. Not great, Bob. Uh, his And and like Scott said, Texas's running game bailed him out. Now, they let him throw all over the yard when they were playing horrible pasties. But Scott's mentioned that TCU game. TCU doesn't get any sacks. Uh, they had, I think, may, they may have even had less sacks than Northwestern did last year. And they still um, almost beat Texas. And the reason they didn't is because Texas ran the ball crazy well. So, um, again, like Mark Whipple's going to take this guy and then throw a million times. So we're going to see. But, again, if you ask me how I feel about this compared to how I felt about last year, I, I like this. I like the way this breaks for us. Um, you throw in a Tommy sack or two, um, and suddenly we're talking. 
Well, just to, you know, to revisit a little bit of your defensive preview, John, I mean, we, you know, we expect to see much better fundamental play on, on both sides of the ball from Northwestern. Like they, like for, for this team to, to do anything this season, i.e. go to a bowl, which is kind of our stated, uh, expectation of of where we want this team to get to you know six wins um they have to be fundamentally better on both sides they cannot have the gap assignment misses that they had last year they can't have the um the slow uh recognition and uh slow pace to you know the sideline or to tackles they can't be missing tackles or a lot of missed tackles in the secondary last year on the outsides and so like for anybody who's listening to this and, and thinking like, well, I have no, if Northwestern can't tackle, we're going to lose. Of course, of course, if those things aren't fixed, of course, we're going to lose. But we are, we are anticipating better fundamentals and as a result, liking the potential of this matchup. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think on the other side of the ball, I mean, the one thing that we, we haven't really talked about, I mean, we mentioned it when we previewed Nebraska, We've talked all of this about the offense, about Casey Thompson and everything. On either team, on either side of the ball, the best thing, position, unit in this game is Nebraska's linebackers. They're the best thing. Nebraska's got great linebackers. They're going to play four. They're all good. Um, they lost JoJo Doman off the group last year. They return everybody back. It's, a, it's practically a four-man defense. This is the number seven run defense in the conference last year, number nine pass defense in the conference last year. The linebackers do everything. Um, they're a good group. I think one thing that I've, I've maybe, I'm guilty of maybe misrepresenting a little bit is Nebraska does like to attack with their linebackers out of the 3-4. Jim Leonard attacks like a banshee with his linebackers out of the 3-4. Wisconsin is throwing those guys like they're, like there's no tomorrow. Nebraska will do that, but they sit them back a little bit more. Those guys do a lot of more read and react, and they're really good at it. It's a great group of guys behind a defensive line that's guilty of getting pushed around and a group and a secondary that doesn't particularly cover that well. And that's why they're not one of the best defenses in the conference. So from an offensive perspective, it's just like, do you, you know, commit to the run, stay with it, be willing to push guys around. Again, this is this might be a half decent defense because the linebackers are so good. Um, and it's just like, we got to fight through it. We got to push through it. We got to make things happen. Um, like be ready for those blitzes from the linebacker core when they come grind hard yards, be able to, you know, take, you know, the, the trench cats up front, that front three for Nebraska is not the front three for Wisconsin. It's not the same kind of team. You can push those guys around at the point of attack. If you're found, if you're sound, if you're making the right, you know, pulling the right way, you know, maintaining your blocks the right way, you can get to the second level against those linebackers. And if you can protect against the pass, I mean, Malik can eat just like Stefan did um, last year against the yeah, second. I, I mean, again, we, we, we are anticipating better fundamental play from Northwestern. Um, if, if the offensive line allows multiple free rushers on key plays and Holinsky, who we think is going to be QB one gets, sacked on key third downs over and over or if this creates turnovers um or it really disrupts the ability of for us to 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 move the ball through the air like northwestern's offense is probably going to stall out and not score a lot of points like that's just fact 
Um, right. But we are we are expecting better play from our guards uh, in the, in you know this year. Better fundamental play on the offensive line. Fewer penalties. We Northwestern killed so many drives with penalties last season. Um, we are expecting uh, a running game that is that is more potent. Um, yes, last year Evan Hull looked good. We missed Cam Porter. We missed his dynamicism on the outside. We missed his physicality on the outside. Um, something I'm really excited about. I, I, I mentioned this when we previewed the offense a couple days ago, and that is my hope that we do more two-back sets, predominantly because of how good Cam is, how good Evan is, and how good Evan is as a receiver. So there's just a lot you can do with that. And we have seen other people who other people make the same sort of comment and people who I would presume have seen things in practice. Now, they didn't say Northwestern is going to do this, but um, I'm taking it as a good sign that we're going to see more two-back sets. Um, I'm hoping that it's not the Wildcat variety where mm, yeah. Cam, Cam Porter's lining up uh, uh, you know, behind center, but you know, we'll see. Um, but with a reinvigorated running game, that is going to take pressure off Holinsky. It is going to put him in better conversion situations on third down it is going to reduce the risk of sacks it is going to reduce um the the pressure that he faces in those moments and it is going to give him more opportunities to pass off of play action and that's what's critical for northwestern's offense to be better this year um there's a lot of questions at wideout beyond um malik and bryce kurtz we're gonna you know we're gonna see who else we see on the field there's gonna be probably a lot of players that rotate through but again we're expecting better fundamentals we're expecting a much more uh, exciting and interesting run game, and um, we'll go from there, right? I, you know, I, it's it's not a great matchup on this side of the ball with the strength of Nebraska's linebackers, as John outlined. But you know, Cam, no Cam Taylor Britt, which who was like a fifth linebacker last year. Absolutely. I mean, again, I think ju- juxtapose it like this. I mean, there's a lot of Big Ten West teams we could be drawing right off the top. What if it was Wisconsin? What if it was Minnesota? Right. Where, like, if you ask me, again, this is why I'm drawing this hard line between a lot of my a lot of my trepidation overall for this season and my views about this game in particular. And it's like, you know, I think of Minnesota and be like, there's a chance you, we play Minnesota and it's pro- we could have problems in the interior of our defensive line and then a real paucity of starts in the linebacker core outside of Bryce Gallagher. Aside from a team, Minnesota, where all their hog mollies are like 320 pounds and they're just going to slam it into the interior of the line and suck the oxygen out of the room just like they did last year. And I'd be like, oh, God, I just Nebraska is a team we I feel like we're beating this into the ground, but I can't overthink. They're doing a complete offensive overhaul, complete, because aside from our game, they were a mess. And it's like the and they were three and nine. So, and and that overhaul is moving towards our strengths and away from our weaknesses as I perceive them right now. So again, it's like, yeah, is, is this a panacea? No, but there's hope here. There are things that you can see. I just got to get at this three and nine thing again. So they crushed us, right? Their other two wins were Fordham and Buffalo. Folks, this was not the greatest three and nine team of all time. In no. case you didn't pick up the sarcasm earlier, and, yeah. And uh, honestly, that that is something that I, I'm I'm looking for this weekend. You know, if things are close going down the stretch, you know, there's so much pressure on Frost. Obviously, you know, there's so much pressure on this team to play better for him. 
But if things are close down this stretch and, you know, do all this, do you get a collective sphincter clench? Um, you know, if things are tight, maybe things get too tight. I don't know. Like, I, I feel like they they might be playing much tighter than than we would. A hundred percent. The pressure is all on them. But by the same token, like Northwestern can lose this game in the first quarter. Oh, yeah, and, for sure. And, and that would happen by coming out and making a ton of mistakes. Because if you come out and you make a ton of mistakes and you miss the opportunity to put this team on its heels and, and, and make them start questioning um, the strategy, the plan, if it's going to work, oh, my God, here we go again. Like, if you can do that, then you set up a scenario tight down the stretch of the game in the fourth quarter where they start to get concerned and they start to make mental mistakes. If Northwestern comes out and makes a ton of mistakes early and doesn't do that, if they start slow, if they're sloppy, if they turn it over, if if we haven't seen the fundamentals corrected from last year, they're probably going to lose this game. Yeah, I, I think I think you're right. And I think along the lines with those fundamentals too, I would add the, I think, obviously we're all thinking about the linebacker core, you know, how green those guys are. Wendell Davis transfer coming in again, he has five starts over two years. So it's not like he's bringing a wealth of experience. And then um, the other guys who most likely are going to be part of that linebacker. Oh, but John, but John, what? what he, 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 he has presumably faced off against the Mark Whipple offense. The last true. two two years yeah, in yeah. practice, uh, yeah, a little true. bit of insider info there. Yeah, that's perhaps. true. That, that is true. That's funny. I've, if, God, if I've, Mark that's Whipple, all... if Mark Whipple hasn't changed any of his hand signals, that's a actually... la Mick McCall, we might be in great shape. <laughs> that's actually that's actually an interesting point, especially from where I was going to go, because I think a lot of the trepidation with the linebacker core is being green against the run and needing to make the right reactions. Right. Um, and like, like we were talking earlier, right? Like seeing where a play is going and getting there before it gets to the second level. Um, but in this game for the linebackers issue is going to be covering underneath routes uh, and pass pro and, you know, pass coverage. And right. You're absolutely right. Someone like Wendell Davis, like he may have experienced covering Mark Whipple type routes in practice, which again, that's not lip service. Gus is right. That may actually matter. Um, and on the flip side, you know, it's like if, um, again, we were saying when Nebraska does get sacks, they get them from the linebacker core because the linebacker core does everything for this team. But the overall sacks Nebraska gets are, it's not a huge number. They all come from that position group. They didn't have many more sacks than we did last year. So if you've got a situation where Ryan Holinsky can get protected and stay on his feet, the matchups are going to be there for this passing game. Um, and again, it's like one of those things where it's like this, I know this team smoked us last year, but it's since that they're, they're a different team. And again, I'm like, Scott said, right. If the discipline is there, we can be in this game. And if we find the right things on offense, uh, maybe catch a turnover, right. Um, something like that. Again, it's like outside of those three unbelievably weak passing teams, that he eviscerated in the big 12 last year, Casey Thompson threw as many picks as he did touchdowns. I think he had one more touchdown than interceptions. So they're there if you want to go get them. Um, and you know, one play like that. And, and suddenly we've got a game. And like you guys said, the pressure's on them. If we get some sort of break early on, 
there's a lot of Wildcats in that stadium. Uh, a lot of Wildcat fans. We've seen so many of them. The place is going to be hopping, and we'll have a game. One one quick thing I, I want to mention. Um, Nebraska's special teams has been horrendous since Scott Frost got there. Uh, they brought in a new special teams uh, coordinator so to try to change that. But, like, we have no idea what our special teams is going to look like. New punter, new kicker. Um, you know, we know we don't do returns. So, you know, that is what it is. But, uh, um, you know, but if they haven't been able to adapt to a new special teams coordinator and special teams continues to be a problem for them, that's another thing that could uh, break in our favor. Well, and special teams, goddamn better, will be better for us. Yeah. <laughs> Specifically uh, kicking field goals. Right. Yeah. Um, but like, I, I'm just looking at this stat right here. Since Scott Frost got to Nebraska, they have ranked 127th in special teams efficiency out of 129 teams. Yeah. And they were one of the only teams in the country last year that had the same kind of kicking woes we did because um, we were all tracking it and they were, you know, so you're right. I mean, you're absolutely right. And again, I, 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 I fold in like, again, the background to let it be lost to no one. Why Mark Whipple's coming in to completely overhaul the Nebraska offense? It's because Scott Frost's hanging to his job by his fingernails right now. And a situation where, like, right, they they lose to Northwestern and then they get torched by Oklahoma. Like, and he's two and two coming through that stretch. Again, like hanging by his fingernails. So the it's it's important to kind of keep that perspective. And again, it's I think the We've done a pretty good job of being very realistic about our expectations for Northwestern on both sides of the ball coming in. And I think if you're all listening to this, you've probably already listened to all of the offensive and defensive pods. You know what we're talking about. Like, we're not selling this just to sell it. It's just this particular game to start the season off presents a lot of possibility. There is possibility for real good to happen here. Um, and, you know, there. I, I think we all see a path here. Like, I see a path. There's a 30 to 25 win in here somewhere. There's a 28 21 win in here somewhere. If you were a loved one uh, who's seriously injured by someone else's negligence, year, hire Kent Sinson of the Sinson like, Law Group. Exactly After over a decade prosecuting playing. murder cases in Chicago, Sinson opened his own firm focused on wrongful death and personal injury cases. He specializes in car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and other transportation accidents, as well as construction accidents, medical negligence, slip and falls, product liability, and more. Millions recovered for clients. No fee unless he wins. The Sinson Law Group. Compassion, empathy, and vigorous advocacy. Go to SinsonLawGroup.com or call 312-332-2107 for a free consultation. And go Cats. So, um, yeah, I, I think that we've, we've predicted as much as we can predict uh, for this game. And, you know, we've talked about what we think, what we think, what we think. I think the next thing to do is to kick back on Saturday morning. Um, Enjoy a late brunch, uh, some pancakes or whatever, Guinness pancakes perhaps, because uh, if you uh, have that recipe still, I, I'd love to grab a hold of that. Um, and- hey, I like I'll give I'll give it to you right now, folks. Get your favorite pancake mix. Replace the liquid with Guinness. If it's it, like if, if the liquid is water, replace it with Guinness. If the liquid is milk, you might want to go half and half, but like that's it's that simple. They're they're wonderful. They're tasty. Uh, it's like a 
Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not I'm, and if you and if you and if you make Guinness pancakes, take a photo of them and throw them into the same thing where everybody where everybody's <laughs> sending their unbelievable pictures of Dublin. So at least those of us who are around here can feel like we're participating in spirit. Um, but yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm. 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 I gotta work on my my stores for an Irish breakfast. Oh, there on, you go. There uh, you on go. Saturday, that's definitely happening in this household, and you're damn right. I'm gonna be drinking a Guinness with that. At, eight in the morning or whatever. <laughs> oh yeah hell yeah um there is another big 10 game happening on saturday uh wyoming is at illinois illinois is an 11 point favorite um you know i don't know that there's a whole lot to say about that well i mean first of all illinois I, you know we're illinois you know i think they're they'll be looking to cover that and more and try to make a statement and uh you know all, all due respect to Wyoming, but Jalen Pate is now a Northwestern Wildcat. So that's a big piece <laughs> of that team that has been taken away from them, a big piece of their ability to get to the quarterback. So, um, I, you know, Illinois is probably looking at a comfortable win there, I would say. Yep. Uh, and finally, before we go, I uh, just want to give a quick shout out uh, to Veronica Burton and the Dallas Wings. Um, yeah, they just lost tonight uh to be eliminated uh against the connecticut sun but she started and went um 10 points six rebounds four assists and a steal uh in 30 minutes of action uh starting for the wings tonight in in the elimination game and she did she did most of that damage in the first quarter and was really hot and the TV was focusing on her and, you know, they were on her coming in and out of the commercial breaks and everything. And it was, it was great. Yeah. She, she had, uh, she had one of her, her trademark. Yeah. Um, she put someone in the spin cycle. Yeah. yeah. Some <laughs> one of her trademark drives from the, from the, from outside to, to grab a layup at one point. I think it's important to note that um, Dallas's best player is Arika Agumbawale, uh graduate from Notre Dame a number of years ago. You may recall her, shooting an incredible three-point shot to win the women's national championship over i i guess well i guess that was to win the semifinal over uconn but then they won the the championship against uh, i think south carolina a couple days later anyways um she has not been playing very much down the stretch of the season and that's uh you know you look at you might look at the score of this game and be like oh yikes and that's that's part of the reason why but that has also given uh burton a lot more opportunity to play and uh, i think she's really made the most of it she's improved dramatically throughout throughout the course of her first year in the in the league and um has caught a lot of eyeballs so yeah congratulations on a great season uh for ms burton um and anything else to to kind of go over before we uh put a pin in this guys football starts in three days i know it. i know i know I, and, and again and again i think uh, with without us consciously working to make it happen, uh, again, I feel like we are, you know, we have we've had a lot of stuff to get through. There's there's going to be a lot of bumps in the road, but I think we are in a pretty optimistic place heading into this weekend. I um, mean, in terms of what we think is possible and what we think, you know, win or lose, what we think this capable team's capable of showing in this game. And the other thing I would say is again. All of you who are over there, you've already sent so many awesome, you know, it's pinned to our Twitter feed. Um, for anyone who, who hasn't seen it yet, go to our Twitter feed and take a look. Um, we have a, a tweet pinned that you can see all the photos of all the awesome things everyone's doing, all the sites everyone's seeing. Um, we expect a lot more photos to get dumped in there over the next two days as even more people arrive. So, I mean, we love seeing it. It's just, it's awesome to just see what everyone's, see, first of all, the things Dublin is is doing for the game, which look great. There are some bars that are, you know, 
totally decked out in purple and everything and then all just the awesome sights everyone's taking it so we love seeing it glad you guys are having a great time and we can't wait to see more of it uh one quick one quick last note i'm just looking at the weather forecast for saturday night in dublin because it will be uh, saturday night um, they're looking at uh, 56 degrees uh 15 percent chance of rain perhaps but uh you know Sounds like lovely football weather. Exactly. It looks like, sounds like great football weather. And in looking at the stadium, it looks like this, the stands will be covered uh, and the, the grounds will not be. So it's, it's a, it is a soccer stadium in, uh, in Europe. So that's kind of so, the way Sam, they are you Sam, are you saying that it might be a preview potentially for certain Northwestern fans at that game for the kind of football experience maybe they can expect? down the road we can certainly hope so yes we can we can all dream uh so with that we'll go ahead and leave it there uh, for tonight uh, head to our website westlawpirates.com where you can leave comments and questions find us on facebook twitter and instagram at westlawpirates and email the show westlawpirates at gmail.com tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on northwestern athletics and look for us in the west side of ryan field flying the red pirate flag because we give no quarter especially the fourth. John the Coman, Eric Skazboy, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time.